Welcome to the Journal Hijabi podcast. I'm your host, Sirin, and here we're all about elevating the voices of hijabi women in mainstream media through authentic storytelling. Without further ado, let's begin the episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you remember, one of the very first guests I had, and I have my Invisalign in, so if there's any lisps, that's <laughs> why, and I'm not taking them off. The first guest I had was my sister, <laughs> Yasmin, and in that episode, we talked about her being the only hijabi in the room, kind of from an engineering perspective and really just in general like you know me too you know is hijabis mm -hmm. you just like tend to be or find yourself like being the only hijabi in the space that you're in and so in that very first episode which was may 17th 2022 mm -hmm. no wait two th uh, may 17th 2020 mm -hmm. you discussed the first time you wore the hijab and how the hijab isn't depicted in one image and empowering side of being the only hijabi in the room so kind of sitting with that and seeing how your hijab journey because it is a journey and exploration was when we since we recorded that episode until now the hijab is like you know a big spectrum and it has its lows and downs and neutral so let's start with the four daily check-ins Physically, I feel calm because it's like evening. I hear your cat howling or cat mishmish. 
By the way, I came here um, to stay with my sister in Austin for a bit. She has a cat, and I'm not used to cats. And I thought that I had allurophobia. What is it called? Like the fear of the phobia of cats. And I'm slowly getting used to her mishmish. And yeah, it, it, it's a vibe. So she makes me feel relaxed sometimes. Uh, mentally, I feel clear. Spiritually, I feel full. Emotionally, I feel a lot of emotions at once, but I'm just processing them as they come. Mm-hmm. I think for me, emotionally, I feel excited, but also, you know, vulnerable because I'm sharing this very specific journey that maybe some people would be uncomfortable with sharing. So there's a little bit of uncomfortable feeling, but, um, but I'm excited to, to share that experience. Um, mentally, I am, I'm feeling pretty clear because I can share that with others and I know that it'll have a, an impact. Um, spiritually, I am feeling, you know, neutral, could be doing better, but I think, um, I want to pray after this, you know, that'll, that'll make a difference. And then, uh, mentally, did I say mentally? Well, we're kind of being interrupted in the moment by a cat. Miss and Mish if you Mish. heard any, any weird noises on my microphone, she was like licking it or something. Miss Mish Mish. Welcome to the podcast. What do you have to say, hijabi? Mish How do you like wearing the hijab? <laughs> oh, it's a wire and, and you know cats love wires. Uh-uh. Here, let's get you off the bed. Well, it's or just, just chill. Just you could, let her chill. You could just chill. We just can't move the wire because she will want to eat it. Okay, so yeah, we'll kind of just dive right in. It's pretty interesting and a very unique story how, you know, I was the first guest on Sitting's Journal Hijabi podcast and I was the first hijabi to come on and talk about my hijab story and how it was to wear that hijab and you know instead of feeling ashamed or bad or guilty for coming on now later and telling the story of my taking off the hijab I'm really just viewing it as a continuation of my hijab journey story which is exactly what it is so I'll kind of start with um, the beginning of my journey to um, not wearing the hijab anymore. And really, honestly, it started out of curiosity. And let me just know that, you know, this episode in general hijabi just in general is a space that celebrates not only hijabis but non-hijabis girls who are about to wear the hijab girls that don't girls that took it off so there's no like judgment here and like if you're listening to this or like if you know you feel judgy or you're just not like agreeing with it then 
this isn't the space for you so I just thought I would like to say that yeah and thank you for saying that I think there's obviously a lot of stigma around women who've taken off their hijab and it's just been an absolute shit show especially on social media of women getting all this disgusting backlash for a community that's really supposed to be for them especially during the hard times (laughs) yeah that's when they need their other hijabi sisters support the most in yeah. their families you know, and supporting by the way it doesn't mean hey good job taking off the hijab that's yeah. a great choice yeah. but all it is is not bashing them <laughs> just don't make them feel like shit they already feel like shit let, let, let me make that clear yeah. i promise you just think about the strength that it takes to even make that decision mm-hmm. wearing the hijab for a decade mm-hmm. the better part of your whole human life yeah and it it's a tough decision and so if you really care about her Mm -hmm. as your friend or just as a human and honestly if you were like a true hijabi you would just sit there and listen with no judgment so that's what i'm doing here today and that's what i hope all my listeners are doing so Mm -hmm. go ahead and tell us your hijab journey yeah continuation of my hijab journey so, yeah, I'll I'll kind of start off by saying, you know, obviously we grew up in the South, we grew up in Texas, and something that I was mentioning in the first time that I came onto the podcast was my hijab experience at work when I was an intern working for Airbus, and, you know, it was a, it was very much a job where a lot of my coworkers were veterans. <laughs> Texas thing go on like old white men who are open openly Trump supporters and you know just that kind of vibe and you know here's me wearing a hijab just chilling and it was a it was an interesting experience and I think that combined with just you know in general living in the south as a hijabi really always made me curious and I'm pretty sure it's pretty normal I'm sure every every hijabi has been curious what it's like to not wear this hijab and seeing it in an in a light where you you do get scared it stares you do get stares from people people look like they're scared of you I remember this one instance I'll never forget it when we were working with Baba at Church's Village and some guy you know was checking out and i'm here at the register like checking out this man would not even look me in the eye like just completely like i felt like an alien no it's crazy because it's actually either way in texas like either they don't look you in the eye or they do stare you down (laughs) stare you down and like both of which are very uncomfortable by the way uncomfortable well, I would rather I would rather them not look me in the eye because it's like okay, well you don't even have the guts to like no, but like if I'm checking you out, I'm like you you're not even acknowledging my existence. Like I felt like shit. I felt like crap. Like you yeah. Even... Well, well, I mean it's well it's it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because all the, almost all of the experience that I've dealt with as a hijabi is is like con- being confronted. Like they come to me in the face boldly tell me like are you muslim why do you wear that why are you hiding your hair 
oh, um, are, are you, like, from Afghanistan? Like, did you escape mm. war? Like, you know, like, automatically, like, assume things. So that's why I'm like, oh, I would love, it would be, like, a comfort if it was just, like, ignore me, don't look, ignore me, don't look me in the eye and just yeah. leave, you know? But, yeah. yeah, go on. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I kind of just had this, like, building curiosity of how my life would be, like, how my interactions would be if I wasn't a hijabi. And so, you know, at that time, I had moved out of my parents' house. I lived in San Marcos to finish my studies at Texas State and was living alone. And it was it was a beautiful experience for me into self-exploration and learning more about myself and who I was as a person separate from, you know, what the community wanted me to be, what my parents wanted me to be. And, you know, my hijab journey was very much a part of that. And some people don't have that luxury. Yeah. That's a luxury to be able to tap out of where you live in in your community and be able to figure that out on your own yeah, i think you really yourself. overlook that luxury as women living in in arab women living in america and mm-hmm. you know just having the parents that we have yeah yeah exactly and so i will say living in san marcus was a beautiful experience i did not get the judgment and the stares that i did get in dfw i really didn't like it was such an accepting beautiful loving community but i think that curiosity was kind of just lingering in my head and and i'm not gonna lie i think there might have been a ounce of rebellion that went into kind of that decision you know in palestinian we're natural well let me let me let's go back to that term rebellion so or rebellious it's like when you're not supported by the people around you about the hijab or you're struggling to connect with it or understand it and then you go on to figure it out yourself it somewhat feels like a sense of rebelling of of rebelling the version of you that was a hijabi Mm -hmm. and then not and kind of you know just being rebellious in that nature of who was against it who made you think of it like that yeah it's you versus you the hijab your hijab versus your hijab (laughs) exactly so yeah it started off really with just that experimenting and that exploration of self in that way what does it feel like to go outside in public without my hijab and i was really hyper vigilant and aware of my surroundings i was really looking at people how were people looking at me how were people like were people accepting me was i fitting in like was i were, was was I getting those stares? Of course I wasn't, because I was just fitting in. I was one of, one of the others. And sure, that might have come with a sense of more acceptance from the people around me. But, like, what even is that? <laughs> like, what even is yeah. this acceptance from people around you? Is it just people just not staring at you? It's crazy because we say that in the sense of the hijab, 
but it's also our personality and it's mm. like those lines can always easily get blurred as a hijabi are they judging me for my personality for yeah. my for what's on my head like for the shoes i'm wearing like yeah. it can be so many things yeah exactly and you know i developed this sense that okay because i've taken off the hijab i am now safer this was all something again that i've just that i orchestrated in my head that i was safer that i was more accepted that i just blended in and that was the safer route for me to just blend in not stand out again you know remember i'm away from my family i'm in this foreign place Uh, it's my first time living alone and it just felt safe to blend in and not stand out and not not be the outcast yeah definitely i I feel that i was gonna say that that it's kind of like a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. like i like we were talking about in a previous episode that like the hijab can be like a survival mode you know and just being out there alone as an arab Mm -hmm. woman living Mm -hmm. solo and then just even thinking of it you know that that's that's, it's a it's actually a term coined by i forgot i'm sorry but i'm (laughs) gonna research it and put it in the description notes but the term is called intersectionality something like that to where you kind of experience things like in different uh like layers Mm -hmm. so one you're a woman that's a thing right yeah alone blah blah woman living alone okay on top of that a hijabi woman living alone you know so it's like the intersectionality of of of, that's a beautiful way of seeing like all the layers of a situation and like really being able to analyze it for exactly what it is arab muslim hijabi woman you know it's like all those things like on top of each other Mm -hmm. and so in this idea that i've created myself for myself that i am now more accepted i am more safe by society i really then was left with my self-acceptance and it was like this huge struggle for me to accept the fact that i had made that decision it was i'm still dealing with that like it's the decision to wear it to take it off to accept myself for you know again wearing it for a whole decade and then taking it off and i think a huge part of that is that societal pressure that's put on us like all like i didn't tell any of my dfw friends i couldn't i couldn't Mm -hmm. it was so difficult for me to come out and tell anybody even my family because Mm -hmm. i felt so much shame i felt so much guilt i did not even accept myself because of that decision and you know it's it it was and it is very hard and like i think it is very multi-layered in the sense that self-acceptance is is a huge part of our daily life like you have to accept yourself in order to live a happy life and that was something that i that i didn't have and i think the decision of not wearing the hijab anymore just even highlighted it even more and made it so loud it made it unbearable almost 
And, you know, at that point is where Deep Divine Femme started. And Deep Divine Femme was my road to self-acceptance. And my road to self-acceptance was honoring myself. Honoring myself, forgiving myself, being merciful with myself. Forgiveness is the most God-like trait. And if God made us and we are from God, then why can't we forgive ourselves? Why are we so hard on ourselves? So And merciful. Yeah, and merciful. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Give yourself The mercy, most gracious, sis. the most merciful. SubhanAllah. These are the two things that we say. The most gracious, the most merciful. Yeah, embody God. Just yeah. like he is the most merciful. Be that to yourself. Exactly. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And Deep Divine Femme, you know, which is Deep Divine Feminine, is recognizing that Divine Feminine that lives within us and she's always there and she is dying to be nurtured and acknowledged and loved and cherished and cared for and to be given that grace and to be given that mercy like that to me is my most true authentic self like to just live an unapologetically and to know my power and to speak my voice and speak my truth and inspire other women to do exactly the same thing and and I think as Arab woman, and it's weird that like I keep going back and forth like Arab woman, Muslim woman, or hijabi woman. I don't know, Arab woman, hijabi woman, or just woman. Mm-hmm. Of it's not really, it's not really talked about or celebrated or set. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were talking about the womb and like nurturing that and yeah. deep divine femme and stuff like that is just not really talked in the arrow exactly which is why i wanted to make it so bad yeah yeah and in in the arab society unfortunately it's which let me just say side note deep divine femme is a collective that i have been curating i started it on really just like on my journal and then made a page for it on instagram and now i host a monthly woman's circle woman circle here in austin it's a sister circle where we gather and we practice deep rest meditative practices we are we allow ourselves to be vulnerable we share with each other and empower each other to be that divine feminine and our most authentic self and uh, and so, yeah, and the reason why I found it so important was because of of the lack of it in the Arab community. Like, it's just, it's real, and not even the Arab community, just in society in general. We live in a very patriarchal society and world, and it's not really geared towards the feminine at all, at all, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, but I think it's becoming more towards that. Yeah, it's being more accommodating. It's definitely being a little bit more accommodating, but just even like just our work schedule, like the fact that 
the the norm work schedule is wake up every single day, have your eight to five, your regular hours every single day, you are expected to deliver the same amount of productivity every single day. Like that is very masculine. Mm. That go, that do, that very, you know, straightforward. And when then going home, then you have to be the feminine. Going home, the kids cooking. Right. It's it's just not it's not the natural flow of the feminine because we are we are cyclic we're like the moon we go in cycles our body is going through shifts every single month every single week every single day so the level of energy and productivity that i have this week isn't going to match next week yeah I or the week after that mm-hmm. like it's the but that's beautiful cycle. being a woman is a journey and so yeah it's 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 not really accommodated in this society and especially in kind of like the Arab community, I think, unfortunately, there's just a lot of, there's not a lot of emphasis put on the strengths of a woman and that Arab woman. Yeah. And, and I'll use this as the best example. In Arabi, when we say, binit awiyah, that is a bad term. <laughs> like yeah. that, that is yeah, we were talking about that, that is coined as a bad term like if you were trying to marry your brother to some girl and and you asked around and they said oh, oh he, 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 you would steer clear which translate to like powerful it really translate to that this woman is strong but yeah. in the arab sense of that like like watch out like she you know she's like snappy she's like this brat or something but it's like it's not like that's so sad actually because then that paints the expectation that okay then the accepted woman is that she's well behaved is that she sits down is that she just is quiet and listens and you know what that is in arabic like she's calm like she sits down like she's behaved she's well behaved yeah she's well behaved well that's it's interesting that you say that because like well behaved i thought that atle translates to that but i think atle literally translates to mindful which oh, was okay which was another thing i was like you know okay, i you yeah can call me mindful yeah so i thought atle was like oh well behaved will be beha- well behaved but then when i thought i mean but that's what they mean when they yeah exactly that but that's what they mean when they say yeah so exactly so so yeah and then of course came the roller coaster of it's time to tell parents (laughs) it's time to tell parents and thank you so much tala to my younger sister for (laughs) really paving the road the way to take off the hijab (laughs) she really paved the road for me like she took she took one for, for for the team. She took one for the team. She took a huge one for the so team. So we're three sisters. I'm the middle sister, and I'm the only one, the only hijabi in the room. I'm the <laughs> only one that currently wears the hijab. TikTok, is she going to take it off? Oh. Guess we'll never know. XOXO. <laughs> Gossip. Serene. Gossip hijabi. <laughs> so, yeah, Tala really paved the way on that one. Shouts out to Tala. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Just, like, celebrating this. I mean, she made it a like wait. Let's pause there. Easier. We're not celebrating taking off the hijab. We're celebrating her paving the road for me. Woman stepping, stepping into like giving. (laughs) What are we celebrating? (laughs) We're celebrating women being celebrated no matter what. 
being yeah. accepted no matter what. what being accepted no matter yeah. what unconditional okay. love because that's what your family's supposed to be it's supposed to be that unconditional love it is like that is what family is it's the unconditional love yeah, that no we're matter not telling what, they're not going to throw you in the trash we, can if you say we are not we are not or telling you on instagram we are not telling women to take off their hijab and hype no. it up and make it this thing and validate it it's more from a perspective just so you understand of like the deep root behind it of kind of having the power having the choice celebrating yourself figuring it out for yourself and then yeah. just like you said you see like modesty everywhere and you still even think of like wearing scarves and throwing it on your head and yeah. you know things like that it's just like a journey yeah. of coming back to that and i would rather you take it off and then come back to it 10 times stronger than mm -hmm. just wearing it and and hating it and just yeah. being bitter that's not a way to live yeah and i think like you know of course everything happens for a reason and i think that this stage in my life that i am hijabless it really did serve a purpose and it came for a reason to be here because you know like i i have my career i have my job and i'm not saying that i wouldn't have the job i have without my hijab but maybe <laughs> maybe not it, it just wouldn't have been the same experience it would it just would not have been the same experience yeah so i remember we were like in this german hot dog restaurant and it's when you first mentioned to me that you're kind of taking it off like you just don't wear it anymore and you know we were talking about kind of like why by the way those hot dogs those hot dogs did not smack wiener schnitzel yeah i think schnitzel there's one in Arlington? i don't know no it was in back home that's a fun word schnitzel pretzel wiener schnitzel aunt annie's okay so you were and it kind of made me mad because you tied the hijab back to your work oh i took it off because like they wouldn't give me the job in engineering if i wore the hijab and that pissed me off because like what do you mean that means that means that that it didn't have to do with the hijab you know yeah i think the truth is that i felt less con i just felt less confident going to an interview with my hijab i just felt like i had to prove myself even more and i'm sure that that has a lot to do with my experience at airbus where my manager was a very like tcu white woman and i always felt like i had to double prove myself to her <laughs> buck taste tcu <laughs> buckies like i just always felt like i had to prove to her like i'm not oppressed like i'm actually that. smart like i hate I, when you feel like that and it's, it's the worst and that yeah. was my fear and you that feel was that in engineering truly, that was my fear um, yeah it wasn't that i'm not going to be accepted because i wear the hijab but it was survival. just that i would have to try so much harder survival of the fittest yeah yeah and like what kind of workplace is that like exactly it's dreading going every day thinking that you have to prove to your boss alhamdulillah alhamdulillah like i had a hijabi boss nice. hello that's like so rare and guess what i did i left the job <laughs> but you know obviously i have an episode where i talk about it it has nothing to do with the boss loved her amazing powerful she became you know manager boss love her yeah but wow like just to know like that too that there's like those two experiences in texas in mm -hmm. the same area so yeah. yes there's buck tooth toothy becky wendy's 
Burger King and Whataburger Bucky's. <laughs> Cowboy Armadillo Blue Bonnets. I pledge allegiance to Texas State of America. So there's that. And then you can find like the Arab and Muslim community. And I was like at, I worked at like at the Catholic Charities. And the director at the time was Muslim. And in our mm. meetings, we would literally start them like reading our favorite Quran verses, like, huh? That's amazing. And my immediate boss was a hijabi, you know, she wore the hijab. Mm. And my coworker was a hijabi, and just so rare. Like, we would That's remind amazing. each other, like, when to pray, where to pray. My director, I would let him borrow the, like, prayer mat. Like, that's such mm. a blessing. And yeah. just to show you guys that, you know, we keep saying, like, Texas, Southern, South, like this. and But there's also, like, my side to it. So it's interesting to, like, see both. Mm. Yeah, and kind of, like, circling back to, you know, saying that everything happens for a reason and that my time here s- served a purpose... I met my soulmate that I'm now engaged to. Period. I didn't know you were going to talk about that, but let's 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 talk about it. Well, it's a huge. I mean, to be quite honest, I don't think Moni and I would have the relationship that we have if I if you were the hijab yeah. because you weren't. Well, you wouldn't be in certain places as a, as a hijabi. Is not even that. I, it's just like because he is Iranian. I don't think he, Iranian. Yeah, I I think that the experience, even us meeting just in the beginning, well, would wait, not wait, have wait, been wait. the same. Are you talking about like the hijab? Yeah. In what context? What do you mean? Because of the convoluted view of hijab in Iran. Yeah. Exactly. Y'all, y'all, it's getting political. <laughs> I told y'all, I always come back to politics. But See, what? it's crazy. But exactly because hijab in Iran is so political, if I Yasmin was a hijabi at that time we would not have a met or b had our relationship flourish the way it did well i don't know about that because i mean politics everything inside it's like a guy seeing you for who you are whether you wear the hijab or not if he wanted to he would yeah i don't think it really had anything to do with the hijab don't do that to me well I'm just speaking about like no because, because I, Jenny, no because no because I, I know no, no because as a hijabi woman it's my opinion <laughs> we struggle with this of because your hair being the beauty of a woman and what's deemed attractive to a man mm-hmm. the way that guys find women attractive with their hair and then covering that you kind of have a deep rooted feeling well I'm not attractive I'm not a attractive to boys so i have to like try harder am i ever gonna be in a relationship am i ever gonna be married what do i have to do to step out there and make myself look available but also isn't that like the not the point of the hijab so it's like we struggle with that so Mm -hmm. you saying that I don't think I would tie it to the hijab. No, I'm 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 not speaking generally. And, and I'm yeah, speaking and very let me say this again. So if any guy actually wants to marry you or is is into you, 
and doesn't accept the hijab then he's not the one sis yeah you accept me 100 percent just what what i am like yeah. that's a huge red flag if they don't accept you exactly 100 percent as you are i don't care if i'm wearing a jilbab i don't care if i'm wearing a niqab with the clown face rainbow shoes in a fringe hat and cactus arms <laughs> I described the seahorse on Spongebob. No, you're right. You're right. You better accept me just like I am. Yeah. It's very true. It's very true, this one. I think that, like, what I'm speaking... I'm, I'm speaking very specifically to Mani. I'm not speaking about, like, men or just, you know, their viewpoint on, on hijab. I'm speaking very specifically to Mani and his oh, relationship. Oh, like, he's Irani and the way that... Yeah, exactly. Let's go back to, like, the way that, like... Iran, you know, obviously you, they're like in a we current... know what's going on in Iran yeah, literally right, right now. Right now yeah. yeah, so it just would have been mm. a different experience, and I think that it just would not have played out the way that it played out right now. It just wouldn't have. That's just the truth of it. Yeah, because at that point, like we could still like be together, we could still be married, and... right? But like, it just would not have been the same storyline. You know, and and that I, again, I'm speaking very specifically to Monty just because I know him very personally. That's all. I'm not saying this is like a big grand scale thing. Yeah, it's it's personal. We're not like yeah, talking about it's very hijab. personal. So we're just talking about her very it's very very, very specific specific example. Yeah, and you know, and I've I've shared with you obviously like his viewpoints, his viewpoints, and like you know his perspective, and so. Um, you know, again, I know he would have accepted me any which way, but it just, it, it served its purpose. It served a reason. And I think that might have been one of them. And that kind of brings me to also learning more about not just the hijab, but just covering your head and how preserving that is for your crown energy for your aura for your I love that i learned that concept i don't know if i learned it from you or from a yoga instructor or from somewhere but kind of how that aura in the crown bounces back when you're yeah, wearing the hijab I told it you like preserves you told me like it preserves yeah. it back in there yeah it's like, crazy whoa, it's beautiful that's mind-blowing the concept yeah. of, of of the hijab like that yeah no one uh, we had the disappointing example of the wrapped and unwrapped lolly- lollipop <laughs> you know yeah oh my god but yeah the fact and it it makes so much sense is like that energy emitting from your crown from your forehead from your hair when you have a head covering it's bouncing right back to you into your head into your brain into your aura and like that is just so beautiful it that is the prime example of nurturing yourself and kind of like that deep divine femme is like bringing that love and that nurture back to yourself because that's how you pour from a full cup yeah it's crazy i refer to my hijab sometimes as just being like my security blanket my safety blanket mm. like it makes me feel safe. yo it's kind of like the sky is a blanket as an atmosphere mm. for the earth like that's that's the purpose mm. of the sky preserving the ozone protecting layer. it the sky is you a protective blanket layer. yeah the sky is a protective blanket for the earth protecting it from the harsh rays of the sun nice we just proved to you and the the validation of the the moon so put it on right now (laughs) well and it's not even it like and that kind of like brings me to my point is like 
I don't know if I like do I see hijab in in my future yeah I do but what I do see closer in my future is covering my head with a blanket no that doesn't no like I see myself wearing a scarf that covers my head and I'm gonna do and I do that in my own way that Mm -hmm. feels good to me we love a 2009 bang hijab not bang hijab I I told you like about let's talk about our hijab eras I'm talking about this the way that our ancestors used to wear it when they did laundry you know what I'm okay, talking about? A little Turkish wrap, laundry yeah. on, the, on, the, on the porch. Like, I see that for Milking myself. The goats. Okay, I like her. Yeah. I'm feeling her. Yeah. Yeah, I actually wear that style on top of my hijab, interestingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gives me a little bit of... Double hijab. Double aura. <laughs> double, triple aura. My brain is going to explode yeah. from the energy. Yeah. Exactly. Because I think, like, the umta just was not the vibe for me. Like, I didn't know I had curly hair until I took a i'm crying oh my god bear me right now no like yeah because it's like so oppressed no (laughs) because your coils (laughs) i meant to say compressed oopsie wink wink Mm. because it was so compressed yeah why is that so funny you didn't know like your natural well like it was it had some sort of texture to it some wave some curl but no 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 it was not like this it was not mm. like this and you it's know, because like hair I, care sunlight yeah so let me tell you as like a hijabi a little tip about like kind of still nurturing and embodying like your natural hair not forgetting about it so because i'm a homebody right i stay at home and we have a backyard in our home so every morning or at least once a day i just sit out in the backyard you know obviously i don't wear my own hijab in the house for those that you thought i did i sit in the backyard and i just let it flow all the aura is released from my head but the wind flows you know i'm still hijabi but it's so important yeah too because that, that was something my natural that i miss hair. very much yeah the wind flowing through my hair so it's important to yeah you don't it, that doesn't go out of the window just when you become a hijabi you kind of but you, you can't do it you, out of the window you get to know but this was so special about it because as a hijabi you get to cherish that moment for what it is mm-hmm. when you're not a hijabi it's like okay i do it all the time i step out i uh, drive in a convertible i do this you know it just becomes the norm mm-hmm. and then your hair starts stinking but and it's like frizzy. making time and it feels so good because it's so precious and you can like only do it in that moment kind of like capturing a sunset mm-hmm. that's what's so special about the hijab mm. so again put it on <laughs> you better sponsored by hijab just do it Thank you for tuning in and spending this time listening to this episode. If you could take one second to support this podcast by sharing it and leaving an honest review, it would mean so much to me and help us to reach many different audiences to spread our stories about the hijab. Until next time, never forget the power of being a hijabi. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thanks for reaching the end of the episode. We hope you learned something new about the woman who wear the hijab. You can watch the recorded video of this episode on YouTube at Journal Hijabi. And be sure to follow our Instagram at Journal Hijabi to stay updated on all things hijabi and help spread our stories. Until next time, never forget the power of being a hijabi.